Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Groundswell, an open-ended exploration into the sustainability and climate movement and my quest to document conversations with bright minds in this space. I'm your host, Danny Kirk, and today I'm joined by Abraham Jabu. Abraham is the co-founder and CEO of Auxilium, a company that aims to maximize value from waste streams while minimizing the environmental impact of mining. He has a PhD in chemistry, has authored hundreds of research publications, more than a dozen patents, and has for over a decade deployed new sustainable processes for the mining industry. Prior to co-founding Oxilium in 2020, Abraham exited two Singaporean-based companies in the natural resource space. Abe, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I look forward to the conversation. Could you give our listeners a little bit of your background, kind of how you got to where you are today with Oxilium? Absolutely. Um, thank you for the introduction in terms of, of some high-level points. So in terms of formal education, as mentioned, you know, I do have a PhD in physical chemistry. Um, I started my career post-PhD as a research associate, then professor. In parallel, I was also a consultant as a quant, interestingly enough, for a hedge fund in Switzerland before branching out on my own. Um, eventually, we did form a joint venture with a large Singaporean oil and, oil and gas group to build out a commodities trading platform. Um, really worth I mean, that was the onsets of my initial career, which is completely different than what I'm doing today. By invitation of a friend of mine who at the time was an R&D director at a large mining company, I went to visit a large mining site. At the time, it was a copper, um, copper mine. On that visit, I did notice vast piles of waste, which was at the smelter slag. I didn't know it at the time, but that's what it was. <laughs> this is really what started my mission to uh, look at new strategies to valorize waste streams. Uh, soon after the visit, I started collaborating with different professors at the University of Arizona. We were building new metal recovery platforms for these low-value smelter slags at the time, but also other waste streams. Um, eventually, we did pivot to low-grade ores, which did include tailings. Um, at the time, several professors and I had been working on different aspects of um, new technologies, so all the way through development, all the way to piloting along the value of the mining value chain. And with that, we really combined our experiences and technologies before Moxillium in 2020. So currently, we're the world's only holistic solution for tailings valorization. It's a little bit about the path. That's incredible. And back in Switzerland um, at the hedge fund, were you was that your first exposure to kind of the heavy metals industry and mining? Were you trading any of those things? Yeah, absolutely. All across commodities and different um, kinds of, uh, of asset classes as well. It was my first exposure to that industry as a, as a whole. So let's talk about the mining industry today. From your perspective, what's working well, what's not, what are, and of course your company handles this, but what are some areas of improvement that you can see being had by uh, companies out there that are looking for opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. So mining companies are modernizing and moving towards achieving sustainability targets. I think that's something that uh, they're doing in a great, doing a great job at, at that. Um, I believe that the mining industry and also service providers are doing um, great work in terms of worker safety, remote sensing, automation, digital solution. All of these areas are very well advanced. Um, however, the mining industry is uh, it's, it's currently looking at other aspects also in terms of looking for improvements constantly. And as far as um, kind of the waste aspect of it, could you tell us a little bit more about what tailings are, what other wastes come from most mining processes, and even mention different types of mining processes as part of that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that in terms of, of the mining industry, uh, I think take a step back, 
Um, they're only starting to look at how we valorize waste streams in terms of uh, things such as tailings. And I guess in terms of uh, just the definition, tailings is the waste that's left over after all economic values extracted from the rocks. So they typically contain a solid and a liquid component. Um, the mining industry is very keen nowadays to identify new ways to uh, to recover things such as critical materials from these different waste streams, obviously to fuel the energy transition, but simultaneously also lowering their carbon footprint. Um, in terms of the global impact uh, of the mining industry, it's important to quantify the problem associated with these tailings waste products. So annually, that translates to around a $40 billion impact to the industry that doesn't include costs associated with legacy assets or or tailings from past mining activities, which also represent a significant liability to different mining companies. Just a quick statistic, since 1990, 63% of all tailing storage facility failures have been classified as, as serious with an average cost of around $543 million per, per incident. It's uh, pretty, pretty significant. Wow, that, that's incredible. And um, you said, you know, tailings are what are kind of left over after all the economic values extracted. And by that, do you mean that the mineral they were going after has been fully extracted, but that doesn't mean other minerals haven't been extracted yet? Correct. So it could be that uh, maybe there's some other complex uh, uh, geologies associated with some of these waste products. So essentially they're just uh, discarded uh, either because it's either at the time it's not economically viable to recover these or simply it might not be the target commodity for the mine. And as far as the actual mining goes, I think a lot of people don't have a good viewpoint into what mining looks like today. They're like, oh, you know, coal mining, digging deep into the ground and you're in the dark. That's probably not the case for a lot of mining from my understanding. Could you give us an overview of the different types of mining as they stand today? Um, yeah, in terms of the you know mining such as uh, practices and things, I think there's a lot of the mining industry has done a great job in terms of um, implementing new technologies for visualization, also worker health and safety using a variety of different um, AI techniques and also different kinds of devices. Uh, automation is also becoming a very important aspect in today's mining world to also minimize the impacts um, to worker safety and also the environment. So I think that these are some important steps that the mining industry is taking towards, uh, towards eliminating a lot of those notions that mining um, is hazardous and causes a lot of... Um, possible um, issues to, to human, to worker health and safety. Is um, most mining in the U.S. today, just to kind of um, put it into that bucket, is uh, most of it above surface or below surface, or what does that look like? Um, the mining industry really in the search for new resources and richer and different deposits that are being explored, um, they are having to dig deeper. So essentially going, uh, you know, and really exploiting underground opportunities as well. So that's something that's really um, expanding in terms of a lot of modern mining operations in terms of greenfield projects. And as you mentioned, it doesn't, in long gone are the days of the coal miner with a, a pick and an ax and things like that. It's uh, more automation, more machinery these days. Absolutely. I mean, autonomous trucking, uh, drilling, these aspects are really, um, you know, making mining more efficient and also uh, better for the environment and also less, uh, uh, less risk for 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 um you know the actual people who work at these sites. So, what does Oxilium do today from a high level? So, Oxilium, um, as you mentioned, we're a Tucson-based company. Since 2020, we've been working with some of the world's leading mining companies and service providers, and identifying new ways to repurpose tailings uh, while recovering important byproducts. 
So several factors contributed to our goals as a company, including valorizing waste streams, aiding mining companies to reduce their carbon footprint, providing society with critical uh, materials, including green building products to decarbonize the built environment. So obviously, core to Auxilium's mission is that waste um, is a failure of the imagination. And could you describe um, kind of your entire product spectrum for us? I know there are three main ones. Yeah, definitely. So we we have uh, our main product line is we've created a new class of eco-friendly building materials called geofoam. So it's essentially a carbon sequestering material that can be used for a variety of applications, including insulator products. Um, different product line also include uh, generation of reagents as well, such as um, ferric sulfate, sulfuric acid, and others that were not only used at the mine site, but we also use them to create these green building materials as well. And finally, metal products. So things such as critical materials, such as copper, nickel, cobalt, and rare earths are also recovered as a byproduct of our process. So basically, we are stripping the different components of the tailings to generate new products and as a regenerative solution. So the tailings, we use the tailings themselves to reprocess new tailings. Very interesting. And how did these solutions help uh, contribute to decarbonization and net zero targets? Yeah. So, I mean, there are several decarbonization strategies that we address across the different scopes. So scope one, two, and three. Uh, scope one offsetting strategies include uh, things such as renewable energy and green energy storage solutions that reduce water evaporation, water recycling, and of course, cement-free carbonated uh, backfill paste. So essentially uh, something that's used on site and also on the, at the mine site and also in other applications. Uh, scope three, scope two emissions obviously includes elimination of things such as uh, purchased um, energy, including generation of energy using tailings. I won't go into that today, but there are ways that we, we can do that also as a, as a byproduct of these uh, processes that we do to neutralize tailings and create value from them. And scope three, by means of waste reduction, tailings can be used as a carbon sequestering fill material, um, such as insulators and other products as well that also help to eliminate a lot of those different emissions. Uh, just in terms, I'd like to also talk about the mining industry as a whole. So it contributes to around 4-7% in terms of contributions to the global carbon footprint. Um, this includes scope 1 emissions and also 30% of the scope uh, 3 emissions. So essentially the world needs both critical materials and carbon sequestering materials to reach you know, sustainability targets and also reduce that footprint. Now if we look at an adjacent industry, such as the cement industry, that contributes another 8% to global emissions. So if we're able to displace emissions from one industry and another industry together, it could really make a massive impact to our global sustainability goals. Yeah, that would be incredible, potentially 10 to 15%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can yeah. do both of those. Um, now, as far as these products go, um, you know, insulation, things like that, the geofoam, um, are you all um, just making the raw product um, or I guess the raw material and somebody else is making the foam itself or how does that work exactly? Yeah, so we, we do clean the tailings and we are able to provide it to either uh, third parties to manufacture it using our technology or, you know, production on site. Typically production on site, given that a lot of mines are located in isolated locations, would not make the most um, financial sense. So a lot of the times these products will be shipped to a nearby um, city for manufacturing of these different products. How do you work with mines today? Is it uh, finding mines that are already shut down and just um, using uh, buying and using their tailings that are already spent or um, working with ones uh, during their entire life cycle? Uh, we do work with both. So a lot of uh, mining companies um, have an issue in terms of their tailing storage facilities. So actually, the, the you know where the tailings are deposited 
So we do work with them in terms of minimizing their footprint by repurposing those tails for other, these other products, like I've mentioned, and also increasing the recovery of materials to their current production um, that they have on site. But we also work with mines that are at either approaching closure or at closure. So essentially allowing that the life of mine to be extended so that these new, that these mines that are in that stage can actually act as not only carbon sinks, but also add new revenues instead of acting as a financial liability. Because the life of the mine, you know, continues even beyond closure, either as a liability or it can be looked at as an asset. Is there any reason you started this company in Arizona? Um, first question. And then are most of your projects currently in the Southwest or are they all over the nation and the world? So we started in Arizona due to the importance of uh, obviously the mining uh, community is very strong in, in, in Tucson, particularly. So it's a strong, not only for as a technology hub, but also for very exciting projects in the state. Uh, we do work in projects all over the world. So in uh, all over the Americas and also in other parts of the world as well, in terms of uh, different asset classes, not just copper, but um, other types of ores as well. Are there any particular um, minerals or kind of assets that are mines that lend themselves best to the things that you are producing or the process itself? Yeah, I think that we've had a lot of obviously good experience in terms of the copper industry. Um, and also it's an important one, given that uh, roughly half of the 8 billion tons of tailings produced annually are from the copper industry itself. So that's obviously a very strong uh, driver. However, there are other um, cases that we have had success in, in terms of different um, uh, types of base metals. What what about the what about copper mining uh, lends itself to success for you all? And why are there so many tailings from the copper mining process? Uh, so copper tailings are interesting in the fact, in the sense that they have a um, they're typically rich in uh, pyrite in terms of the copper tails themselves. So that's uh, very beneficial for our process. Um, and additionally, there's a lot of them because uh, it's just the concentrations needed to get the amount of copper that we need is so high. So just to give you an, a little bit of numbers around that, for every uh, ton of copper that's recovered, around 250 tons on average of tailings are produced. Wow, that's that's incredible. And then that's literally just a function of kind of digging it out of the ground and sifting through it. Or what does that process look like? Do you dissolve it? Um, so first, obviously, it's just constant, you know, sifting it and also um, concentrating it. And then once we concentrate it, then, you know, we can use a variety of, or people, you know, the industry can use a variety of different uh, mineral processing techniques to actually leach that copper. So actually, you know, put it, recover it from the, from that uh, concentrate. Now, does Oxilium try to get involved um, in the pre-production phase, like uh, talking to potential mines that are not yet in production to kind of help them optimize their system? That's an excellent time because uh, we can provide several different benefits. For example, um, there could be mines that have space constraints and might not have enough space to store these tails. So if we can put uh, a strategy in place from the beginning, it can help to not only offset that constraint, but also um, allow them to have uh, quicker permitting times and also access to uh, other sources of funding as well by not having that environmental liability. For the spin tailings that you're partnering with to kind of reuse and kind of extract, how do you go about finding those? Is there a database of all mines and then you just kind of go um, explore those? Or how do you find those new opportunities? Yeah, usually, I mean, in terms of we know where a lot of the major copying, copper and mining districts are, 
Um, but obviously, the advantage of the mining industry is that there's a lot of uh, multinational players. So typically, um, you know, they have uh, properties and assets all over the world that allows for access to new sites um, almost in any location. What do you say to the people in the world that aren't very educated on mining and think it's a bad thing and think we need to stop it kind of from the lens of electrification as well? I mean, I think that there's a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, stereotypes associated with the, with the industry and, and, you know, how, how things are operating. But really, in terms of if we want to achieve the, you know, energy transition goals, we, we need more mining, right? We obviously need the critical materials to make that happen, whether that's um, things such as copper, um, aluminum is also an important one, nickel. These are the three primary ones that we need for different, um, um, you know, strategies to achieve uh, electrification. Do you have any sort of figure in mind as far as the increase in mining we need in order to hit some of those um, climate goals? Yeah, so, I mean, if we, in terms of... Uh, the world is going to need around three times more copper by around 2040. So we're going to need a significant increase in, um, in more critical materials. Let's look at the copper industry, for example. I mean, in terms of uh, those potentials, in terms of production, that's, that's looking at around uh, 50 million tons a year, roughly, by that time. So that's a significant increase from where we're at right now. Um, if we were to look at things such as tailings, for example, if we reprocess tailings that are already um, existing in the world today, from, exist, from past mining activities, we could provide 70 years more of copper needed for at current production levels. And if we process fresh tailings or tailings that are produced from the mill um, currently, we can increase production levels of copper by up to 30% current production level. What is your opinion on companies like Impossible Metals that are looking at uh, deep sea mining on the uh, seabeds and whatnot versus kind of uh, terrestrial above, sur above sea kind of floor mining? Well, I think there's a lot, to, I think there's still a lot we need to learn about these different opportunities, but I think definitely there's a, there could be a, a lot of potential in looking at these alternate sources and, at the, and given the amount of materials that we do need for that transition, we're going to have to be really creative and think differently to be able to identify these two sources. Have, um, you know, talking about three times as much uh, copper mined um, and figures like that. Uh, do we, have we already identified that amount of copper, um, you know, in the world, or is that just a number that we need to hit and we don't know where it's coming from? We already know where we need to get it from. I think in terms of new projects that are still in the permitting phase. Um, also, I think that using tailings is going to be a very critical source for those new materials that we need. So definitely the path to get there exists. We just have to accelerate it if we want to reach those goals. Besides permitting and regulation and things like that, are there any other barriers um, as you see them today that are stopping us from hitting those goals and the timelines that we have outlined? Um, well, I think that the technology is at a point right now that we can service these uh, new demands. I think that really what needs to happen is just um, faster permitting to be able to access more of these materials. Um, I think that's one of the most important uh, hurdles for us to reach these electrification goals. And do you see that happening in your industry or is that a major roadblock that is just going to take a lot of new regulation and things like that to occur? Um, I think it will happen. I think that there's a lot of important steps that are being done to, to achieve that. Obviously, uh, we do need to um, accelerate that even more if we do want to reach these goals. Uh, we're still um, you know, behind in terms of our targets 
to be able to achieve our electrification goals. So I hope that uh, that regulators can really accelerate the opening of a lot of these important projects, like the ones that we have in Arizona, right? A few of them that come to mind. As far as a future that you hope to see in the next 10 years in the mining industry, are there any particular changes that you hope to see uh, come to fruition? Well, obviously, from my perspective, you know, I really would like to see that uh, we can live in a world where a waste-free mining, obviously, that's an important um, aspect that I want to see, and also the um, sustainable mining as well. And I think that both are, are targets that the mining industry is really moving quickly um, to achieve. Well, Abe, thanks very much for coming on our show. If listeners are interested in learning more about what you're doing, where can I point them to online? Yeah, we can visit our website uh, we can, and also our LinkedIn page for any kind of uh, dates and also um, information, ways to get in touch with us as well. Excellent. Abe, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for your kind invitation. It's been a real pleasure. And thanks to you, my dear listener, for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a good review. Take care and see you soon.